Hello, everybody. Here I'm there to talk about Anchor. It's one of the best podcast uh, platforms that you can you can uh, go on. You can put all your podcasts on Apple, Google, any place. Any place to put up your podcast, you could all do it in one place. Anchor has all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. And you can distribute any of your, your podcasts on any platform like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know, Anchor, Stitcher, iHeart, everything. It's everything you need you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. And let me tell you, I have had great experience with Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. That is Anchor FM to get started today. Welcome to the Joe Show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And no one really cares what you have to say because I, I, I have, I have. No, everybody cares what I have to say, Joe. You just got something up your, and you're upset. And I know you're upset, and you need to rant, and it's cool. I say go for it. Listen, I'm very, very ticked off. You sound amazingly calm for someone as mad as you are. Because I, I took the blood pressure pills. But listen, <laughs> if you, it just it pisses me off to no end that these these uh, these pro writers that you talk we talk about. You know how we talked about before how the dishonest media in sports. Yeah, Dan I, Miller's the only one we like. Yeah, Dan Miller and Dan, <laughs> Dave Burkett—they are <laughs> only people we like. But like the people that vote for these awards are the biggest dumbasses in the entire world. Like Cade Cunningham becoming third in his rookie of the year vote. He wasn't the third best rookie. He was potentially the best rookie, but you just made assumptions because half of them don't even watch basketball. They just watch what the team is doing. And if you watch what the team is doing, you don't really see what a player is doing and how he has affected the team. And then you go to the Red Wings, right? Mm -hmm. They have two good rookies. Two. They have one guy in... Mo Sider, who was a Calder finalist, who if he doesn't win the award over all those other guys, we're burning down the Pro Hockey Writers Association. <laughs> okay, because because the fact that I'll agree with you there. The fact that Lucas Raymond wasn't part of that Calder uh, Trophy finalist is an absolute joke. You can put Trevor Zegers in there because he had a very he's a very very good rookie. You put Mo Sider in there. You do not put Matthew Bunting in there because let me tell you why. In my opinion, the Calder finalist has been a glorified award that goes to a player who is a rookie who might be playing on a really, really good team. Well, no shit, Sherlock. If you're gonna, if you're playing with a good player on your line, of course you're gonna look good. Bunting's playing with Austin Matthews, who scored 60 goals this year. Right. You really, I mean, you could put a, you could put me or you next to Austin Matthews, and we'd we'd have forty points. That's just a reality. I mean, this this guy just is phenomenal. So when you talk about Lucas Raymond, he's got Dylan Larkin. Dylan Larkin's a good player, but he has not played up the level as Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews is phenomenal. You're you're saying you're going to reward a guy who has six more points, and he's playing next to Austin Matthews. You know what they should do is they should incorporate some sort of a handicap system. 
But it goes for guys who are playing on teams that suck. But it goes more than that. It goes more than that. It goes more. It goes way more than that because this is a city Detroit type thing, right? So like, Lou Whitaker isn't in the Hall of Fame. Travesty. Sweet Lou should be there. The fact that Lou Whitaker is in the Hall of Fame it just shows you how stupid baseball writers are. I mean, you you talk about you talk about nerds that don't know what the hell they're doing, you know. The baseball writers in in conjunction are a bunch of like nerds that never got taken to prom. They never made the baseball team. They just write about a baseball that they don't, they don't even have a clue of how to play baseball. They probably don't know how to throw a baseball. They don't know how to bat. But you're gonna make them baseball writers? My ass. I mean, I know I know a couple baseball writers. I know a couple baseball writers, and I can tell you they are the most unathletic, overweight pieces of shit I've ever seen in my entire life. And part of my part of my French because this is total bull. Lou Whitaker should be in the Hall of Fame. Kate Cunningham should not be third in the rookie of the vote. And the fact that that Lucas Raymond was not a Calder finalist pisses me off to no end. And this is just the tip of the iceberg because if you remember Armando Galarraga Galarraga had a perfect game but that was blown up because some Dumbass ump couldn't make the right call. It was right in front of his face, and then he starts crying like a little bitch that he is. It's like, uh, what is going on with you guys? Like, I, I'm pretty sure this whole world hates Detroit. I mean, we've got screwed in the lottery 15,000 times with the Red Wings. I mean, we're lucky that we have the the Zenmeister and, and CVY who does not give a flying fig Newton where he picks in the draft. <laughs> But because like, it doesn't matter because the guy's so damn smart. He's already got his pick down there somewhere deep. Where people and then they made a rule. It. They made a rule about you couldn't you couldn't get to this portion of the draft if you finished after the Rebels got screwed in the lottery. This is like the same thing that they did with the, the Kelvin Johnson rule where you had to complete the process of the catch. And you know where that started from? The Detroit Lions. Like the Detroit Lions need help losing games. Okay. <laughs> Uh, like like the, the whole Hail Mary thing with Rodgers and that phantom face mask that wasn't a face mask because I've seen I've seen people get pulled down by the face mask and I get called. And they're like, oh, we got to call it. We got to call it. Yeah, because the Lions need a more creative way to lose. Yeah, well, the Lions always find creative ways to lose. I know but they those do. Those times are changing because I've talked to someone who says that they are changing. We're but looking forward to talking about we that will talk, We'll talk about the next, the, one of the future segments. But I'm just getting pissed off. It's really Detroit against versus everyone. Is that it? Yeah. You're on the Detroit versus everybody. Yeah, because you got to look at it this way. If Lucas Raymond was playing in Toronto, do you think he's he's, he's going to be a caller finalist uh, this year? I would think probably. He's playing in New York. Is he a caller finalist? He's playing in he's playing for for uh, LA. Is he a caller finalist? Like, come on, like, you, 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 this <laughs> this does not make sense. Like Lou Whitaker not be in the Hall of Fame. Screw you, baseball writers, you dumbasses. And then, like, Kay Cunningham finishing third in the Rookie of the Year vote is an absolute joke. The guy had better numbers than anybody, and the only one that he had the same numbers as was the greatest basketball player to ever effing live in Michael Jordan. But no, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Right, because the problem is he's from Detroit. 
you and I both know there's always a game inside the game. We talk about it in sports. We talk about it in politics. There's always when things just don't seem quite right, when they don't make sense. You know what it seems like? It seems like the dumbasses that we had to deal with a couple weeks ago. Well, okay, there you and go. I, and I can say that because you can't say it, but I can say <laughs> it. Like, just the dumbassery that happens in life. Yeah. Like, the, where the odds are stacked against you. When you're from Detroit and you're a pro athlete, the odds are stacked against you because you have to overcome, like, all. Well, you're you're up against the game inside the game. And the reality is that a lot of these writers, it doesn't matter whether it's the baseball writers or any of the other sports writers, you know, they're getting pressure from their publications because they need to promote players that perhaps there's back-end deals with teams or people that got to up their their numbers in terms of media revenue or whatever the case might be because all these guys know each other, right? So, you know, you think that these teams aren't courting this these media people to try to get their people covered or aren't, you know, to get their people into certain positions for whatever. There's always a game inside the game. And when things just don't make sense, you have to ask yourself, what's the game inside the game? Because there's something going on here that that any reasonable person would say that makes no sense, or you can just tell something's fishy. Right. And so people are asking questions. It's an excellent question. How is it one of the best in the, could be compared to the best in the game in basketball and Cape Cunningham. How did Cape Cunningham get passed over for rookie of the year? How is it that Lucas Raymond doesn't get included as rookie is, is, is a Calder uh, finalist. How is it that we don't have? Well, we see why the Lions don't have anybody in that race. But yeah, but now wait. You know they, what? They now we'll wait and see. Aiden Hutchinson or or, or Jamison Williams. Let's see. Let's see how either one of them. They're, if they get snubbed, I got then a, you'll be proven. I got a bold idea. Sure. I got a bold idea. Stop letting these fake ass people who don't know what the hell they're talking about. Because you know, let, let's just, let's just put it in reality. Okay, I might piss off. A couple media people, but I don't care. Dave Burkett and uh and, and, and Dan Miller, they're great. Awesome. Stellar. They're awesome. They're stellar. The rest of those people, a, a vast majority of them, are dishonest bums who have never played a sport in their entire life. So here's my thing. I would never allow them to vote for anything meaningful. Having those people vote for the Hall of Fame in baseball is a joke. Having them vote for awards in hockey and football and basketball is a joke because the reality of the situation, and it was put to me like this, okay? There's a guy that has a Heisman vote, right? He's also a guy who um, works with a, a college. Yeah. So how, this, how do you watch someone when you're doing your job, which, you know, some of those college games can go for three, four hours, how are you watching the other guys that are across the country uh, playing these these games? You don't. You're watching highlights and you're watching this. And you know how dis, dishonest that is when you get fooled by highlights and all that stuff. Like it's just just it's, it's a totally dishonest practice. Like mm-hmm. you're asking, you're asking people who cover a team to vote for awards. Well. There, there you have it. It's who's making the decisions. On and these half things. these people can't skate. They can't shoot a free throw. They can't throw a baseball. And they can't throw a football. But I'm supposed to listen to these people like they're freaking Jesus. Give me a break. So who should be voting then? If not the, the sports writers. The players should vote for their own. Yeah. Because let's let's look at the reality. 
if you go and talk to players right now, right, and you go, who is the toughest SLB to play against, like, that 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 really doesn't get the notoriety and was a rookie? And they probably could go Lucas Raymond. There was a lot of people that thought that. And then if you were, like, in basketball, if you were to say, who's the guy that was the biggest pain in the ass his rookie year? They'd probably say Kate Cunningham. You know what I'm saying? If you ask, if you ask pro baseball players, should Lou Whitaker be in the Hall of Fame? Yes, he should. Should Roger Clemens be in the Hall of Fame? Yes, he should. Pete should, Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. Should Barry Bonds and Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Yes, they should. You know why they're not? Because these bougie-ass sports writers like to insert their opinion like they're like they're Don Juan when none of them have ever played the sport, and they're just. It, I'd rather ha- I'd rather have Pete. You know what? In pro football, it means more to be be an all pro than like a, a pro bowler, because all pro it's voted on by some of the players. It's voted on by some of the media. It's not all the media. It is all politics at the end of the day. It is all politics, and people do things for their own reasons. They don't necessarily make. In fact, I have found it is quite rare, actually, when people assess policy decisions so in this case when people assess decisions on who's going to be awarded rookie of the year uh it's often from their own personal advantage it's rarely because they're making a genuine objective assessment it's because they have an agenda and whether it's their personal agenda or the agenda of their publication or their network or whatever it is they have an agenda and their choices are driven by that so perhaps you're on to something, Joe. Maybe it should be the players, maybe coaching staff mm-hmm. included. Kind of like the Academy Awards. Who votes for the Academy Awards? They're a bunch of schlubs anyway. Right. I wouldn't even watch the Academy Awards because they're a bunch of losers. But, you know. It's just, it, 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 it pisses you off because, you, again, you see it with Detroit. It's not like it's not like it's, it's, it's out in the open. It's like it's right there for everyone to see. Like they get slapped in the face. And the fact that Lucas Raymond is not in a Calder finalist is – Bullshit. Well, it's because and it, just, it proves it proves to you that that whole moniker about Detroit versus everybody it proves that moniker right because this is exactly what happens every effing time. There's no reason Lou Whitaker should not be in the Hall of Fame. There's no reason that uh, Kate Cunningham should not have been at least in the top two of Rookie of the Year because Scotty Barnes was pretty good. But like the fact that you have Matthew Bunting, who I know he plays for a big media market and in, in oh, there Toronto. you go there you go but like come on if you're asking if you're asking anybody who was the rookie that you were like holy crap this kid is good there's three of them that you would name Zegras, cider and raymond bunting he plays on he plays on a team that is was already in the playoffs again that's a gimme you got to look at things when you say you're looking at, see, the thing is, Joe, the problem you're you're having is you're looking at this in a very analytical, because I know you're an analyst with all your player analytics. You're looking at this in a very analytical, objective way that makes sense. That is not what this is about. This isn't about picking the best person. And we've learned that, like you alluded to, they don't always pick the best person. People will often choose uh, the selections, again, based on an agenda. And we don't often know what that agenda is, but they know exactly what it is. So it's unfortunate because some of these young guys who are doing so well and have really, really are entitled to it should have it. But here's the reality. Here's life for you. 
Life ain't fair. Okay. So the snowflake generation is going to have to get over that. But I acknowledge what you're saying about the Detroit thing. It's because we're so cool and everything else. Here's what I want. Here's what I I want to see. I want them. I want Lucas Raymond to do the old Detroit next year. And I want Kate Cunningham to do the old Detroit next year. And that's drop that D right in those people's faces. That's right. There you go. Drop it in their faces. Absolutely. Be like, like, you want, you want this, you want this. That's exactly what has happened because the reality of the situation is a lot of cities probably hate Detroit because we have like this, you know, whole little thing, but reality. I think they think we have a chip on our shoulder. Well, we do have a chip on our shoulder (laughs) because ask them. Like we're, we, this, the state of Michigan is so much better than the rest of the country. Now, now, well, look at all the good stuff that came from Detroit. Motown, yep. right? I mean, Eminem. I mean, Kid Rock, Bob Seger. Kid Rock, absolutely. The Bob Seger. The Tigers. The, the, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's automobiles. I mean, everyone drives an effing car. That's right. It's, it's, it's Corvettes, one of the coolest cars ever made. I just, I just think that they need to take these, these votes away from these schlubs that we call uh, writers because, listen – Half of them can't play a sport, anyways. So take it away from because they no, they have shown those over, who can't do right. Those those <laughs> who have shown over and over again that they have no effing clue what they're talking about. And then I have to I have to hear some of the Tigers beat writers shill for Alavil, and it just pisses me off because the fact that those people vote it pisses me off even more. And they're in the hometown media, and I don't like it because don't chill for something that isn't good but you know why they have to show because they want to they want to get their media passes and they want to do that of course they got to you know they've got to go through and they've got to do what they got to do and kiss the ring uh of of all these well, these screw these, that these team owners screw that because listen facts are mean the facts are mean <laughs> like i know people don't want to realize that but like it's they can be really really mean like if you say something like hey you're a little bit overweight. Facts are mean. You know what I'm saying? Facts are mean. And they and like they, like you're a little overweight. And oh, by the way, you're a little bit uh, not hitting above 200. Oh, and by the way, you're a little bit uh, haven't scored a, scored a goal in uh, six games. Oh, and by the way, you're a little bit. We can talk about the whole Tigers team being right. facts are mean, <laughs> and we'll talk about that in one of the next segments. But in the next segment, we'll talk about should Barry Trotz come to Detroit, and then we have. Some bold predictions. Bold predictions for the Detroit Red Wings. Yes, and that is in the next segment. Welcome to Cindy and Joe's show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And this is Between the Whistles, your hometown team. Yes, we are. And you know what? It was almost like the spirit in the sky was <laughs> helping Stevie Y. Divine intervention. It was his birthday, and Barry Trotz was like, oh, like, what more of a come to Jesus moment do you need? Right. What could be more obvious? Like a like, you know, there's that light that came out of the sky, like that beam, like it just shined now, on. Did it, now Pierre LeBron, he put out a tweet that says he's gonna take a Barry Trotz gonna take a week to digest it, and then there's talk that he might want a managerial spot, or if he wants a coaching spot. So that's what he's gonna deliver. But I think Stevie Y can wait. And I think Stevie Y can put a little bit of a, a little bit of a price on the table, and I don't think he can. I think Barry Trotz would be like, okay. I think I think Trotz is looking for 
to go out on a winning note. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think a guy like him with the records he has can just settle with one Stanley Cup. See, the thing about Barry Trotz is I, I, I don't think people watch Nashville Predators hockey like I have. Yeah, so, you've been pretty deep in that organization for a while. So when I say this, I'm, I mean it. Barry Trotz is the most underappreciated coach of all time. Because he took a lot of Nashville rosters that were not that great and made them good. And then when then when Nashville decided they wanted a new change, they went to they went to Stanley Cup, but that was with Trotz's team. Yeah. And like Pierre Pierre Peter Laviette or whatever the hell his name is, he went there and he he, he did pretty good for a year and then he went in the tank because that's what he does. And now they have a bum of a coach named John Hines who is absolutely <laughs> awful, and he's bald and he looks <laughs> decrepit, and, and he he can't coach a hockey game to save his life. And but Barry Trotz, one thing you could say about Barry Trotz is every team that he's played on, bald can be sexy though. Well, Barry Trotz is kind of bald, but Barry Trotz, Barry Trotz is a is a is a, is a his suits have like they have flair to them, like and he looks and what did Stevie Y say last week? The calm demeanor, but demanding. And you know who's really demanding? Barry Trotz. But he has calm demeanor. He's kind of like, he's the less trophy Scotty Bowman. You know what he is? He He's kind of like the hockey Don, right? Yeah. He's well, like a hockey Don. He dresses sharp. Yeah. Dresses sharp. And, and he's quietly demanding. And you know that you just don't go against him. Just don't go against the Don because you're going to have to pay a price. So here's the issue with uh, Barry Trotz. And, and, and people it, people will go, well, look what he did with the Predators. He never won there. Well, you know what the Predators, the problem with the Predators is they've always never, they've never really had um, a true guy that could be like a superstar, right? They've had David Legwand and he was decent. They just had good teams. They weren't going to get over the hump because they don't have that superstar talent. And when they did, it was Philip Forsberg and Ryan Johansson. And they're not that superstar type guys. You know what I'm saying? They have to play defense. And their and, and their best calling card was Roman Yossi, Shea Weber for years. That was their defense. Like that was really, really good. But the thing about the thing about Barry Trotz that people don't understand is what he demands of his players. And this is kind of something that Stevie Y was saying too, was he wants more defensive like played by all the players on the ice. And one of the things that Barry Trotz did so well was especially Washington, because if you can make Alex Ovechkin play defense, you are winning. You are totally winning because no one has ever made Alex Ovechkin play defense like the year that they won the cup. And why Washington didn't want to re-up him, I have no idea, but that just goes to show you how dumb Washington Capitals can be. Because they had a Stanley Cup champion coach, and they decided – Screw it. We're going to go with the guy who took Barry Trotz's team over, which is Peter Laviette. And, I mean, yeah, Peter Laviette could be a good coach, but he has had some really good teams, and he's done absolutely nothing with them. He's well, like the Gerard Gallant. You know, I, I know all these Red Wings fans, they love Gerard Gallant because he played for them. Let me tell you something about Gerard Gallant. Total effing fraud. Total effing fraud. <laughs> And Total fraud. And I know it's going to piss people off, especially all these older folks that we talked about, talked to, you know, yeah. in the groups and everything. But Gerard Gallant's a fraud. I mean, look at the team here in Vegas. Didn't win nothing. That was a talented team. You look at the team in New York. That team is so effing good. 
if they get shown out in the first round of the playoffs, that's on him. Because, I mean, there is no team in, 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 in the playoffs right now that has as deep of a defensive, forward, a defensive pairing group as the New York Rangers. And they have a good forward group, too, because they have Artemi Panarin, Chris Kreider, Zabinijad. They're, they're stacked, and their goalies are good. But their goalies are getting shoved because they don't play the right brand of hockey. Yeah. I think that one thing that where Barry Trotz makes a lot of sense is that um, he, I, I think what will appeal to him about Detroit is that. The young talent. Exactly. Young He's talent. got all this young, fresh talent coming up that's so energized. I mean, you've got, not to mention Mo Sider, who I think is going to be the Calder Trophy winner. You've got. Lucas Raymond, who should have been a finalist for yep. the Calder. You've Dylan got Larkin. Dylan Larkin. You've got the grit and the sass of Tyler Bertuzzi. Mm-hmm. And the guy who's the guy's just so reliable. I mean, t- there's so many things to love about Tyler, but uh, you know, I really admire that about him. You know, but then you've got Verona in there. You've got and then look who you got coming up in the prospect pool. I well, mean, you've got fam- guys like Edvinson, you've B- got Barry, Soderblom, B- Barry, got- Barry Trotz is familiar with Verona. Right. He coached Verona. Absolutely. And Verona had his best season under Barry Trotz. Yeah. And like people always say, they always always go, you know, a lot of people think that Cider could be like a Roman Yossi type. And if he's a Roman Yossi type, that's a Norris, that's a Norris trophy winner in in heck. Yeah. For sure. But they think that uh, uh, Simon Evanson is kind of, he kind of models his game like a, a, like a, like another Roman Yossi, but kind of like a PK. Subban, like uh, kind of guy where he's he's electric with the puck. He's he's fast skater and he's size and that's and he likes to hit. So that's what I think that and there's defensive players coming down the pike that have very very good cops. Uh, well, you know, and look if you're Barry Trotz, if you're looking at where you want to go, right, and you look at a coaching opportunity like Detroit. You've got a phenomenal general manager who completely understands the game, mm-hmm. and you've got ownership who's behind that GM. Mm-hmm. You've got a GM who's shown that he sticks by his head coach, yep. right? So he's got a lot of support. But then, when you, as we pointed out, you look at what he's got to work with. He's got all of these, like I, I'd say, like um, you know, like uh, fresh modeling clay, right? And it's just ready for him to mold it into the Stanley Cup championship team that he can. He's got veteran. He's got a couple of veterans on there who are more than willing to be molded and be in tr- and take their game to the next level. Plus, he's got all these exciting rookies and prospects that are there um, that he can make into them what he needs them to be. I, I think he sees this as a tremendous creative opportunity and an opportunity to go out a winner. I was listening to uh, Darren yesterday because mm-hmm. I want, I, I heard that he was speaking about this whole Barry Trotz thing or whatever. I just wanted to hear his, 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 his view take. because mm-hmm. he, his, we where he's a friend of the show and he's obviously his opinion means a lot. But one of the things that he said, and I did not think about this until he said it, and he's that's because he's been in that room with Scotty, is there's little things that, that Barry Trotz can do that Scotty would do. Like he would, you know, he would tell he would tell Stripes or Malpy that he wanted Darren to go kick someone's ass. He mm-hmm. wouldn't tell him that straight to Darren. He would have someone else tell him, tell him that. You know, that's the thing that Barry Trotz does, and he goes, "That's what all the elite coaches do in in hockey." You look at Barry Trotz and you go, he made Ovechkin play better defense. Larkin has turned the corner in his defensive play. 
if you get a lot of the forwards to buy in, you could have a really good defensive team. A lot of people say that, you know, Barry Trotz's uh, style of play, the defensive game, isn't sexy and it doesn't it doesn't amount to winning. But the reality of the situation is when you get in the playoffs and you're playing these teams like the Toronto's, you're playing the Tampa Bay's, you're playing the Carolinas, like the Florida's, you know, Florida Panthers, you know, the one thing you're going to have to do, especially in, in this in this division that you're in, is you're going against these high-level offensive teams. you got to play defense. Like and Trotz just, has beat them before. Right. And you've got to yeah. – and you've – See, the problem is people don't understand, like, to get to the level that Florida's at, it took them years. You know, Tampa Bay, it took them years. You know, if you have a good defensive coach that can get you in the right frame of mind, you're going in the playoffs and you're gaining experience. And then as you're bringing in some new guys, like maybe you bring in a, a Cross Hannes or, or maybe you bring in a, a Elmer Soderbloom or a Theodore Niederbach or whatever, and you're bringing all these guys in that are coming from – you know, the Swedish Elite Hockey League, the Western Hockey League, all that stuff. And and they're coming into a, a, a good situation where this team is going to the playoffs and they're not asked to be world beaters. Then they become it, they become more confident in their game. They mm-hmm. start doing the little things right. That's what that's what this uh this guy this is what that's what Barry Trotz does. I think that yeah, it's not it's not the most sexy brand of hockey, but you know what's sexy? Winning. Absolutely. I, 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 you got to look at this. You got to look at this. You got to look at the Eastern Conference as it is. I mean, look how tough the Eastern Conference is. Yeah. I mean, for years we've said we wanted to be in the Eastern Conference. I would rather go back to the Western Conference right now because the Eastern Conference is stacked. I mean, Florida's going nowhere. Boston's going nowhere. Tampa Bay's going nowhere. Oh, they're all in your division. Toronto's going nowhere. Um, you can probably say that Montreal will be better next year. Probably can say Buffalo will be better next year. Probably can say Ottawa will be better next year. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough sight. So what do you have to do against those teams? Play defense. Well, exactly, and I think that that really needs to be the approach that that the Wings have to take in this next season. It's it's not how do we beat every team, you know, in the league, or how do we beat every team in the conference? How do we beat the elite teams in the conference? How do we beat the elite teams in our division? I would just concentrate on that. And if you can beat the elite teams and get that right, the rest is going to fall into place. So I think that instead of having, you know, kind of being all over the map, like, okay, we go from, and I think that's what happens when you see them go into these spells, right? Where they take a nosedive and then they're stuck there for, you know, four or five games. They get, or they go on the West coast and they get wiped out. It's so important to play defensive hockey. Right. Because you look at a team like Edmonton, they got two of the best players in the world. And Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, they're struggling with the LA Kings because their defense isn't that great. They really can't keep up with a team like that because when your defense isn't good, you've seen what it happened this year with the, with the Red Wings where they 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 could score, but they're allowing the puck to go in there not more than they can score. Well, that's so, exactly what I was going to say. You keep the puck out of your zone, out of that zone, and you don't have to worry about it going in the you, net because it's not even you've there. You've got to play defensive hockey. I, right. I, I don't care what anybody tells you, you know, the offensive numbers are up and all that stuff. You win by playing defense, and defense translates to offense. You know, people say that, you know, especially in football, it, this is a moniker that happens all often time. They say, oh, you can win without defense. No, you can't. Like, you need – like, if you're in the playoffs and you're playing a team like 
in the instance of the Rebels. If the Rebels are going against the Tampa Bay Lightning, they, they need to shut down Braden Point. They need to shut down Kucherov, Stamkos. Yeah. Or if they're playing Toronto, they got to shut down Marner and Matthews. Like, mm-hmm. you need defense. You can't keep those guys penned in forever. So you need to play solid level defense. And you need all commitment from all five players. And that's why the Rebels in their years from 97 to 2002 were just so stout because they had played a defensive level of hockey that was so sufficient that they were challenging for the Stanley Cup every year. Well, and you can take advantage, too, of those teams who have built around those marquee players but haven't built their depth. Right. Right? So you take advantage of that because then you shut down those key guys, and then they got nothing after that. And that's where then your it opens up your, your openings come for the offense, and that's where you go and you slide your goals in. So yeah. I think you're right. I think they've got to concentrate on defense. I think they need to concentrate also on just those elite teams and really study them and see how you take them down. Because that is also going to help you with the psychological game going in with some of the lesser teams. If they know that, hey, you're beating, you know, uh, you know, you're beating Florida, you're beating Tampa Bay, you're beating um, Boston, you're, you're, you know, you're beating Colorado, you're, you're beating some of these, you know, Dallas, you're beating St. Louis, you're beating some of these elite teams, and now you're going in to play Columbus, they're going to be afraid of you. They're already, you've already got the psyops working in your favor. So, not only that, you are planning for meeting these guys in the playoffs, in the Stanley Cup Finals, and you're already prepared to do that. It's not like you're getting ready when you, oh, you made the playoffs. That's great. Now we're going to get ready to beat these guys. No, because you've been beating them all season. Mm-hmm. That's where I think the headspace needs to be in the perspective that the wings have to come from in order to get themselves um, to get to that next level and get into the playoffs and be contenders for the Cup. Yeah, I just, I just think that that's what they need. Like, they need a defensive coach that will be demanding as a quiet demeanor. Because I think, listen, everyone likes the, you know, the thing about Mike Babcock, he wasn't liked by the players, but he he won because he was a good hockey mind. You know, Scotty Bowman won because he was a good hockey mind. And they, they really... I think Babs really did inherit, though. He inherited a championship team. Yeah, but anyway. that that team that team that he took over, Dave Lewis screwed it all up. Dave Lewis was one of the worst Red Wings coaches ever, um, and, and 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 that's the reality of the situation. And then they had the cap that came into effect, so that changed things a little. But you just got to look at it like those two coaches that you had that won championships. They were a defensive-minded coach and stuff. They were, they were, say what you want about Babcock. He was a defensive guy. He liked, he liked to play defensive hockey. And so did Scotty Bowman. And yeah, they had some flash to him, but they loved to play the defensive style because that's what wins in the NHL. Right. Yeah. And I think you have to be defensive and I think you have to be physical. I think you have to play, you have to be able to be prepared to play a physical style of hockey. And that's really where Detroit has that's, always been. That's, had their strength. That's where I'm wondering why Tampa Bay isn't be more physical with Toronto, but that's beside the point. Or, or why isn't Colorado more defensive or more uh, physical? Yeah, well, you, when you when Colorado faces a physical team, it's going to be it's going to be tough sledding for them yeah. because you, you got to have tough you got to have tough guys up in there. And I think that they the Rebels. I'm still good. By the way, I'm still going to make this bold prediction. We're going to talk about some the Red Wings bold predictions, but one of the bold predictions for me this year is I think Colorado is going to win the cup. Uh, mark it on your calendar right here. Motor City Ice Queen on the Cindy and Joe show between the whistles Detroit. Colorado Avalanche is going to pull it off this year. I know, I think Joe disagrees, but that's my pick. 
I don't think Colorado's going to stack up. I don't. I, I look at them and I go, I go when they play a physical team like Calgary, I think they could be in for a little bit of hurt. Because I tell you what, that those two teams in Calgary and Dallas, they love to hit. And that's a team that, you know, you're going to face in the, the conference finals. I mean, and then look at who Colorado's going to have to go through next round. They're either going to have to go through Minnesota, which is a hard-hitting team that hasn't even hit their stride, or they're going to have to go through a hard-hitting team in St. Louis who just got their goalie back in Bennington. Like, good luck. Like, Colorado needs – you know, back in the day, Colorado had a physical force, a physical force team. They're not really physical now. Like, they're just not. Like, Nathan McKinnon can't take a hit. Rotman can't take a hit. Their defensive core, besides Cal Markar, they don't like to get hit. Like, you can't have guys like that. Well, you know, I think you made the argument. I think we've made the argument that Barry Trotz is probably a very good fit for Detroit. I hope that Stevie Y mm-hmm. will release the question is, are they going to pay him? Does Stevie thinks that think that this it's, team is now ready Barry, Barry Trotz has to, to pay? Barry Trotz has to figure out what he wants to do, if he wants to be a general manager or what. I think, but, I think Steve, I think Steve can sell ice cubes to Eskimos. I really do. And I think he will sell Barry Trotz. If he wants him, he's going to sell Barry Trotz on the Detroit Red Wings and all of the things that we talked about. But he's going to have to pick up the last year of his contract probably. No, uh, well, he's going to – well, here's the problem though. Barry Trotz is going to be looking for that that kind he'll, of money. He'll get his money back. Right. Get his money so back. will we'll Steve release that money? Does he think that the team is ripe for that right now for him to, to put that money out there? I hope he does because I think he's right. But now when Steve goes into the draft – and we were talking about, you know, how we get screwed all the time. And now we're, you know, eighth pick in the draft or whatever. First off, I think Steve is used to that. And I think he's prepared for it. And I, I'm willing to bet, just like he found Mo Sider, he's going to look deep into um, this draft class. And he's going to find someone that people aren't expecting. So I think he'll be able to do it. But my bold take on what Steve is going to do in the draft. Don't say it. Don't say the goalie. Don't say it. Because it, 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 I'm, No, here's the thing. I think a lot of people are going to be looking for him to pick up a defenseman, and I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he's going to pick up defenseman. I don't think he is. But I think some people are expecting it because they say, oh, well, we're weak in defense. We need to pick up a defenseman. I don't think I'd, he's going to do that. I'd argue that's our strongest point right now, organization. Yeah, I don't think he's going to do that. I think what Steve is probably going to look for, and I think his first pick, he's going to be looking for a second-line center. That he can I, develop. Somebody he can develop into a, a strong second line center. I got a bolder take. I think he's trading that second, that, that eighth overall pick. He's either going to trade it back or he's going to trade it for someone. Do you think he's going to trade it for a forward or a defenseman? Forward. Like a second like second line center. So where do you I think, think he's going to pick up his defenseman? Because he's got to pick somebody up because he's got he's, nobody he's, to he's, lead he's, the second he's pair. He's going to be in the front free agency market. Like, I don't think – I think Stevie Y – all you have to do is look across the street to that Comerica Park and see that dunce of a general manager in Alavila and realize <laughs> and realize and realize that like You're just not gonna let Alavila off the hook, are you? No, we we'll get we'll get we'll get we'll get to his dumbass in a minute. But listen, I think he's gonna look at Alavila and be like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I think all these general managers in Detroit are like, I'm not doing it either. Cause this guy this you can't rely solely on youth. So I think he's going to go get a second pair, pairing defenseman uh, that's a right-handed shot in John Klingberg. I think he's going to go 
and he's going to get himself a top winger um, because I think I think he's going to go get a guy like Goudreau, Johnny Goudreau uh, because I think that he I think Goudreau won't be resigned by Calgary. So if he's not, I think Steve Eisenman is going to be like, come here, come here, little Johnny Hockey, and come <laughs> here. Like I just think I just think that Stevie Y is going to see like this team is really ready to go. Like they really are. They just need a little bit more firepower. They need a little bit more engine power. You know, we live in we live in Detroit, in the land of the Mortar City. Get you gotta you gotta soup the car up sometimes. You so need a get, super. You need you need a supercharged engine. You need supercharged. No, you just you just, need, you? you just need to get the right exhaust, the right spark plugs, and you just need just get them all ready to go. And then when it's ready to roll, it's ready to roll. Let's go. And you're hitting that gas, and you're on 94 trying to dodge bullets. But that's beside the point. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> well, maybe we will be the bullets that people are dodging. How about that? How about if we we, we go out there and be aggressive? I tell you what, I, I would, think he's going to be aggressive. I would go out there and I'd get two. I think you got a physical force inside of uh, not Sada Blum, uh, Sunquist. Keep that man because he's a big physical force, and I like the way he plays the game. And I, I think he's got to drop Suter. He's got to drop Suter. He's got to drop a lot of these defensemen. We almost have no defensemen. We're keeping Hronik, Suter. They got to go. I um, think Hronik will stay because I think he'd be a good third-pair guy. I think th- on a good team, he would be a third-pair guy. But he plays in Detroit, so where there's not much defensive help. So he's put on top-level minutes. I think – you got to look at a guy like Mike Green. Like, he's a guy that comes in on the power play, comes in on this play, comes in on the – you got to choose your spots with them. And I think the right coach would see that and do the same thing. Well, I think whatever Steve does, I think he's going to be aggressive. I think um, probably more aggressive not only in his draft picks but more aggressive in free agency than we have seen him since he's gotten back to Detroit. Um, because I think he feels like now's the time, especially if he picks up Barry Trotz as his head coach. Um, he's going to see an opportunity here to get his input, and I think they're going to be aggressive about I it. I think he sees that his division is really, really tough. So I think he's going to make some bold moves. And the yep. only untouchables that I would say are untouchable is Larkin, Raymond, Insider. That's it. I think they're everything. everyone else is up for debate. I think everyone else is up for if there was a, if there's a deal that comes along where he knows he can get the better end of the deal, like a Verat, you know, like I think Verat's part of that, that that group too. And I don't think he's going to get rid of Bertuzzi either. I think I think it could be on the table. You know, people keep saying that. I and, think and, here's the reason why because the value will never be higher for Tyler right now. And if a deal came along where someone was like, "Okay, we'll give you." Um, Let's let's say like let's say uh, Calgary tries to trade one of the defensemen to keep Johnny Goodrow, right? And they say we're gonna trade this guy. He's a left-handed shot. He's on our first pair. We'll trade him for Tyler Bertuzzi. You're gonna probably take that all day. Someone comes at you with an offer that you really can't refuse, and you know Stevie Oi, he's gonna he's gonna get his his money. He's gonna get. Oh, his he'll money pick their it. pocket for sure. But like, he, he, look what he did with Anthony Mantha. I mean, Anthony Mantha is playing good with Capitals, but. The Rodney's got the better end of the deal. They got the, the draft picks, but they picked Kosa, and Kosa looks fin- phenomenal. They got Verano. They got the team. You know, they got they, they fleeced them. I think I think he's I think everybody on that roster right now 
besides Larkin, Raymond, Rana, and Cider, are available for the right price. Well, the difference is I think that Mantle wasn't as reliable as Bertuzzi, and I think he was underperforming at is, the time. Is Bertuzzi really reliable, though? I think so. He's always where you need him to be when you need him to be there. He can't play in Canada. Well, now I think that's going to change next next season. I don't know because Certainly. if you talk, talk to people in Canada, they think that it's going to become a, a full time thing. So that's got to be something to worry about. My whole my whole point though is, I think Steve Wise is going to make bold moves this year. I don't think he's going to sit on his hands, and I don't think any player. I don't think I don't. I think he's going to do what he did in Tampa, and he's going to make a bold trade that puts him in a position to succeed for the short term, but also long term. Well, I think he's definitely a long game player. You know, Stevie plays chestnut checkers and he's patient. And um, so I think that he'll do that. And I think he will wait for what he wants as well. You know what I mean? But I think he's going to be very active and aggressive. I just think that. But he's going to be patient. He's not going to jump the gun at the first offer that comes his way, even if it's something really attractive. And I really don't think he's going to want to break that core up that he's got built I so just, far. I just think that if someone comes along with a price that you cannot refuse, you will take it. And I'm not sure that they will come along with a deal like that for Bertuzzi. And I think if Steve is looking to get into the playoffs and maybe make a, a cup run here in the next two, three years, I think I think Bertuzzi is a key player, and I think because uh, he's not going to let go of Larkin, and Larkin and Bertuzzi have great chemistry. Um, I think they're they're just part of that core that I think would destabilize the team he's trying to stabilize. Um, the one thing you're forgetting is the CBY. I don't give a flying beep factor. You don't give a crap who is. Their their buddy or friend or whatever it's all about winning. So if 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 he if it meant him trading Tyler Bertuzzi for a guy who could help them with like a second line center or a first line defenseman, he's doing it all day because there is not nothing that cures the Blues like winning. True that I won't argue with you there, but I do think he's going to be part of the recipe going forward. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that the Revenants have some really, really they got some talent coming down the pipe that could be really, really good. And I think there's one guy that you, everyone needs to watch out for, Cross Hannis. You know how big of a guy I've been on Cross Hannis. I think he's. Yep. I think he's From ready. From the beginning. I think he's ready right now. I think you were with. watching him in juniors. I haven't watched him yet. The yeah. <laughs> the, those Portland Winterhawk jerseys are phenomenal. It's like a Blackhawk jersey, but it's cooler. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But... Well, you got to start off with a cool jersey. Maybe that's where this kid got got you know, his you magic know, from. You know what's weird? All of these our top prospects: Simon Edmondson, uh, uh, Cross Hannis. Every one of them has an Indian head. I don't know what it is about it. See, now you're saying that just because you're of Native American descent. I get it. Got to be proud. That's right. You got to represent. Yeah, I appreciate it's, uh, that. It's uh, Cross Hannis and Elbert Sada Balloon. Look at look at this. All of them. Well, now that is very cool. Isn't it weird? That's why I'm always going to be representing Robbie Fabry, you know, because we're Paisan. I don't know what that is. Is it Amazon? <laughs> oh, you poor, you sad little man. How sad that you don't know this dating an Italian girl. You're Paisan. I, 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 I dated a, a, a Neapolitan, so that's different. 
pizza for days. Let's go. <laughs> Sounds good. In the next segment, we'll be talking about someone who should go in a pizza oven. Because, <laughs> because he's a... That's what the, that's what the Illiches should have done. Should have shoved him in the pizza oven instead of putting him in the front office of the Detroit Tigers. Well, that'd be one shitty crazy bread. So we will talk about Al Vila and the Tigers in the next segment. Welcome to Cindy Joe's show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And if you can't tell, in the past week, I've been very uptight about a certain individual named Al Avila. <laughs> I wouldn't say you've been uptight, Joe. I would say you've been nearly explosive about you have run out of rope with Al Avila. I'll say that. Yeah, like, you know, if Al Avila was walking the plank in Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, he he would be... You'd push him off? Yeah, oh, oh, totally, yeah. <laughs> I, I make sure, I'd, I'd, like, saw, like, the, the portion off and, like, you know... Right. I'd be like, you must go. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, the issue I have with Al Avila is... Or Avila, as he would say. He likes to pronounce Avila. Oh, excuse me. You have to get the right emphasis on the right syllable. kid's name is... Avila. So I don't get it. Anyways, that, that just shows you how big of a douchebag he is. Anyways, <laughs> you know what the problem I see with the Tigers? You know, it's something we talked about with the Robins, and you, you have hit on this before, and you are right, and you actually, you know. You, Can I re- wait a minute? Stop. Rewind it. Re record. You were right. There's Cindy, no, there's you no, were right. There's no DVR. There's no DVR. <laughs> Well, what was I right about, Joe? You were right about and we needed veterans on the team. Because what Alvila yep. what Alvila did is general manager Melfeasance. See, he rely, he was relying on a guy like Torkelson to give him the power, right? Or Riley Green to give him the power in the lineup. The fact of the matter is, like last year the Major League Baseball had juice balls and they agreed to it. Which okay. You're, people are gonna take the juice balls comment. They're gonna be like, "What the hell is juice ball?" Well, they're putting. It does sound. It does sound awful salacious. Well, they were making these balls <laughs> to where they can be just straight up jacked out of the yard. Right. And this year they're putting them in humidors or something along that line. So whatever. That's why you see offensive numbers down in baseball. Huh. And there was a guy, you know, Mike Lenny and I said when he actually had a he actually had a thing where maybe the humidor helped is killing the Tigers because last year the juice balls helped them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Later in the year, like you had Eric Haas have a great year. They killed the do have a great year. You had Roby, Robbie Grossman and all the players in that major league baseball are talking about these, these new baseballs that they have that are kind of like dead when they hit the bat. And it's different from last year where they just jumped off the bat. And it's, it's a little bit weird. Well, I don't think any kind of ball is going to help the Tigers right now unless uh, it's four of them in a row so they can get on base. I don't even think that will help because, you know, the one thing about the, the Tigers is, you know, when they signed Baez, I was a little disappointed because I told you that, you know, the one thing that Baez would do is he would he would give you 30 runs and he would take 30 runs back. You know, he's he's that kind of player. He's a, he's a, he's a very risk-it-for-the-biscuit type guy. You know what I'm saying? Well, maybe that's, you know, interesting as to why, perhaps, you know, he led the league in errors last season. So, yeah, let's bring him on. That makes sense. Just saying. It just, it's it's a little bit, it doesn't really make sense to me what the Tigers are trying to do. And then Al Avila's comment today really 
really ticked me off again. I was finally starting to be like, okay, I'm gonna give this guy another shot. No. And no, no. I'm really? Not. I'm gonna give him a couple. I'm gonna give him. Maybe I'm jumping the shark a little bit too bit. And then this guy is speaking at the Detroit Economic Club, and he's going, "Well, we have good starting pitching. You know what? That's great. That's great. Do you know the problem with the Detroit Tigers has been for well, almost a decade is their organizational depth. You know, when you talk about the Red Wings, you say, okay, that's a team that has forwards that are good. They have defensemen that are going to come up and they're going to be good. You got goaltenders that are looking stout. You got forwards that look stout. You have organizational depth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You look at the Lions and you go, okay, they have some defensive guys that you, you think that could be key players. You have offensive guys that can be key players. You added two more in Jameson Williams and Aiden Hutchinson on both sides of the ball. So you're trying to get that depth organizationally to where you don't have to rely on one side of the ball or, you know what I'm saying, or one side of the field or whatever that. What Alvila did is he put all his money on pitchers. Mm-hmm. A lot of his top picks have been, like, you got to look at it like this. He drafted last year, he drafted Jackson Job. Okay, great. Jackson Job is a pitcher and he's he's got a good, you know, he's got an athletic background. His dad was a pro golfer or whatever. The guy he passed over was Marcelo Mayer. Now tell me how good it would be if we had a shortstop in the Tigers organization that was ready that that looks like he could be a real, real good baseball player. Like that would help a lot. Well, you know the thing is that what I feel the Tigers are missing, okay. And what they need to have in order to start to make a serious recovery, okay, that is they need momentum. Momentum is the most powerful force in the universe, and momentum can even propel a team as flawed as this to some kind of a rebound, okay? Um, If you look at their win streak for this season, you know, last season they went on a win streak, they had seven and that was right after the all-star break and they started to make that recovery right little too too little too late but this season you know what their win streak is two two games that's not even a streak it's a blip and they've got to you can't build momentum that way so you've got to find a way to string some wins together i don't care what you have to do and they've got an opportunity to do that here coming up in their schedule over the next week because they're going to be playing Baltimore, who's horrible. Mm-hmm. They got three games against Baltimore, and they've got a couple of other teams in there that give them an opportunity to maybe well, do no, some this, splits. This was this was the series that they had to catch fire. This was it, people don't understand, and I and a lot of Tigers fans. I, I I feel for them. I feel for them. I think that they. Um, we love our Tigers. I think that they're they're so kind hearted, and. But there's a lot of them that just don't understand one real possibility. You have less than 10 wins right now. Okay. You are going against the easiest portion of your schedule where you played the Rockies, where you played the uh, Royals, where you played the athletics, where you played the Baltimore Orioles. And what you're going to come down with at the most, we're recording on a Wednesday night before the, the Tigers played the athletics in game four of that series they split with the Athletics. The Athletics were on a nine-game nine game losing streak before they played the Tigers. So it's not like the Athletics are a good team. So if you can't beat the Athletics in a series, let's say they lose tonight, 
you lost three games to a team that was on a nine-game losing streak before they played you. Well, the Tigers were on a seven-game losing streak. It doesn't matter. If you – if They are equally they, sucky, Joe. They, it, no, 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 no. You don't even understand. Oakland is like – they are like uh, the the – they're like the Gibraltar Trade Center of, uh, <laughs> of, of, of of baseball. They're just selling things. Like they're selling anything that they can sell. Oh, you want you want Matt Olson? Five bucks. Here you go, Atlanta. You know you want Frankie Montez? You could you could you could you could trade for him. Like they're trading all these guys away, and like they lost their manager last year because they're cheap wads, and they're beating the Tigers. Like this 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 shows you how bad the Tigers really are, and like. They got the Orioles in the next series, and if they don't sweep the Orioles, the season is over. Because not only does that, not only do they have to go and play uh, Cleveland and Minnesota a bunch of times in the next couple weeks, like they got to play these guys who are actually decent players. You know, the one thing that really pisses me off about the Tigers is, you know, there's a team in Detroit that really develops their talent really, really well. You can say what they want. What is, you can say what they want about the. Uh, about the recency, about, you know, not have a great team on the ice or whatever. But the Red Wings, they develop players really, really well. And one thing I don't see by the ti- about the Tigers is I don't see development. I don't see, um, you know, I don't see guys coming out of the minors that are like, you know, they're ready to play. You know, when you look at the Cleveland Guardians, you know, they're, they're, they're a cheap organization. They've always been a cheap organization. But the one thing that they always have is they always have pitchers and bullpen arms every time. And they don't pay any of those guys. Like, they're just so cheap that they don't pay any of those guys. But they always have those guys. You look at the Tigers. Their bullpen is good right now. But mm-hmm. it, they're playing so many games and so many days, their bullpen's eventually going to run out of steam. Like, you can't keep this up. There's been too much relied on the pitching. And eventually, water's going to find its level, and the pitching is going to go back to average because they've been relied on so heavy because the offense can't even score in the you know whorehouse. Right. And, I mean, the the offense has just been non-existent. Like you, you yesterday, they made a, a a guy who just got called up to the majors who has seven ERA and with the Oakland Athletics. They made him look like freaking uh, Greg Maddox. Or Roger Clemens. I mean, this is how bad this team is, and it, it's you know people can blame it, different portions, but I just blame it on the organization in a whole because they have not developed the talent. The talent's not ready to come up. It's like you know we talked. You know, a lot of people they gave Ken Holland flack for you know keeping players down too long or whatever, but most of those guys needed that time to develop. You know, a guy like Larkin, he was ready to come in. The, game one but the guy like Bertuzzi he needed a little bit of you know seasoning in, in Grand Rapids you mm-hmm. know I look at the same with the Tigers like Spencer Torkelson he's not ready to play at the big league level and you're gonna have to send him down it's gonna be like that Max Scherzer moment where he gets sent down and it's like a it could be a really really good thing but I'm I'm fearful that the Tigers will keep him up try to get him try, try to get him to play you know at the major league level and I think his confidence is dipping by the day and baseball is a game of confidence. You have to have confidence in your swing. And when you don't have confidence, you really just – you're kind of just guessing at certain points. And I think the whole Tigers team is guessing. I think Akil Badu, who we just got sent down, I think that was a, a 
a good decision, but like, geez, that whole team is way below what they should be. And it, you could blame it on you could blame it on AJ Hinch because people are blaming AJ Hinch, which is amusing to me. People are blaming that he didn't hitting coach, but the reality is there's a guy that's been in his organization uh, through it all through from it the all, beginning through, of the rebuild. Yeah, through he was there when with Dave Dombrowski. He was there monitoring the prospects. They didn't have a good prospect pool because, you know, there's certain teams that can trade prospects and still be good in their organizational depth. Like the Atlanta Braves can go and trade Chris Christian Pache to the the Athletics, and they're like, okay, we got this guy coming up. You know what I'm saying? The Rays, they could do it all the time. The Yankees, they could do it all the time. The Red Sox, the Dodgers, all those teams, they could do it all the time. The San Francisco Giants, who they started their rebuild the same time the Tigers did, and they just won 100-plus games last year. So, you know, the, the thing is, one of the things people talk about is the fact that Chris Illich loves Alavila. What I have yet to try to figure out is why that is. Why do you think so, Joe? If why do you Chris, think he loves Alavila? If Chris Illich really loves Alavila, He's heading down the same path that the Fords did, and I'm not. I don't think people are. I don't think people are ready for this. But one of the things that the that the Ford family, you know, they have done is they were loyal. They're loyal by default, right? Mm-hmm. They were loyal to Matt Millen. Loyal to a fault. Yeah, they were loyal to Matt Millen. They were loyal to Russ Thomas. Guys that didn't really move the needle in terms of the way that they were a general manager. You know what I'm saying? Like Ken Holland, he had a lot of loyalty, but he won Stanley Cups, right? Um, even like Joe Dumars, who was with the Pistons, there was a loyalty to him because he was a player and he's a famous Pistons player. But like Al Vila shouldn't have that loyalty. I well, mean, he's done nothing to earn it. Right, he's done nothing to earn it. I mean, you can see – like a, a guy like Ken Holland, you can see – yeah, there's a reason that there's loyalty to him. I mean, it, it, I mean, is Chris Illich just looking for a yes man? Is he just is that is that what Al Avila provides really, him with? I really hope not, because if you if this is the truth, and 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 Al Avila is, um, and they're loyal to Al Avila, that is the same thing the Lions have done through their time with Bill William Clay Ford as their owner. Where he was a loyal to a fault, you know, he, he was too loyal. He allowed people to walk all over him and to screw the organization over. I mean, you look at a guy like Elvila and you go, I mean, all Chris has to do is look at team across the street, the Redmonds, right? Yeah. Stevie Wise not, hasn't been there long. He has not been there long, but that team is making progress. Why is they why are they making progress? Because they have talent coming up. They have talent that looks really, really promising. They have organizational depth. They have guys that you can go, okay, and he's making these trades, and he's making these signings that are, you know, the, he made a trade with uh, uh, Washington, and he got Verona. You know, El Vila, he traded the best pitcher away, and none of those players that he got are worth anything. He traded J.D. Martinez away, nothing. I mean, one of the biggest things about being a general manager is you have to you have to win your trades. You just have to. Right. If you don't win your trades, I mean, you see them with Brad Holmes and, and, and Troy Weaver early in their career. They 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 traded uh, like Brad Holmes traded up with the Vikings and even fleeced them in that trade. You seen Troy, Troy Weaver trade Derrick Rose and a bunch of uh, dead bodies to uh, other teams <laughs> to get picks, and he ended up with Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart. 
that's what good GMs do. Good GMs do not sit on their toes and say, I can't do nothing with this. Like, you just got to look. Chris Lillich really wants to look in the mirror. Look at your own general manager and your other organization, the the Red Wings. He's been there way shorter. He has not been in the organization. He had a mess to clean up, and they're already starting to make progress to where you can say, you can realistically say, if they do this, they can be a playoff team. Yeah. If they do this, they're going to be close to this level. The Tigers, you're like, okay, well, how close are they? Like, you know, we don't even know how close they are because they're not even playing up to the level they have. And the rea- and the, the scary portion of this could be AJ Hinch is on the last year of his contract. If, he's a, if you don't see something meaningful, if you don't think he's looking at, around and going, Okay, where can I go after this? Because I know this ain't gonna work. Right, you're gonna lose that guy. Yeah, and that would be a shame because you see, Alavila, what he's demonstrated to me is he either lacks vision, or he lacks negotiating skills, or what I think is probably the worst case scenario is, and he lacks both. He lacks negotiation I, I, I skills. Think, I think he lacks both. And he lacks vision. He doesn't even know where he's going. He's just making trades on the fly. He's not thinking those things through. Stevie Y is a long game player. I don't see where Alavila is a long game player, but yet he's been here seven years. And they're More actually and they're actually digressing. Yeah. We're digressing. And I get it. Sometimes you got to get worse to get better, but you have to see the, something in the pipeline. You've got to see that the, the transition occurring. You don't see that with, the Tigers, you, you see, don't... you see what you okay, you see what the pitchers. You, you say Tarek Scoville can be good, Bo Brisky can be good, Fiedo can be good, but what about the position players, right? When Miggy leaves, right? Who right. are you gonna have? Spencer Torkelson? Well, he doesn't look good right now, and if you wreck his confidence, it could be a total downhill from there. You got Riley Green, but if you're relying on two players to help you. You're in trouble because with the you, with you, no veteran presence you, on top with, of that, you got to look at it like this. There's a mag. There's a fantastic rate that you that you, these guys couldn't work out right. So if you got two guys, your bust rate could be if you if he gets cut in half or one of them just totally busts out and you don't have a guy that can come in behind him and and play that position at, at the prospect level, you got big problems. See the thing with Stevie Y. One of the things that he's done right is he's like, okay, if this player busts out, I got this player here. If this player busts out, I got this player here. Yeah. He, he's just making these moves that are like, okay, I can see that point. With Alvila, he hasn't taken – like the guy, he, the Jackson Job, who they drafted last year, he's looking – his stats are awful. He got pulled from a game where he gave up six runs. And the guy he, the guy he passed on was Marcelo Mayer. Listen to this. He's a shortstop. He's got oh middle infield, right where we needed somebody. Right, they passed on him. The Red, yeah, he's a Red Sox. Of course they did. He's got a three thirty three batting average right now, OBP three ninety seven, and his slugging percentage of four ninety one. Those are elite numbers. And Jackson Job looks like he cannot play at a at a high level. So, I mean, you could say they brought that kid in too young, anyways. Well, you could you could say you could say Alvilo, um They've been too reliant on one position group, and I think if that that's that's what you do. That's what Matt Millen did. Matt Millen did that with the Lions. He drafted a bunch of wide receivers. Yeah, wide receivers help, right? But they don't win you games. 
You need yeah. a full you need a team. I think that's what these three general managers in Detroit, the Weaver, Holmes, and Eisenman understand is you need to build the team. You can't just build one solid foundation unit that like where you can't score, but you can hold teams of one run. Like you're still gonna lose. Well, I think what you've seen Al Avila do and the difference between him and Stevie Wire or uh, Troy Weaver or any of these other guys is that um, they are far more strategic and long-term visionaries. Al Avila is very reactionary. These other guys are proactive, whereas Al Avila is reactive. He's reacting to the environment. He's reacting to the result, whereas these other guys are being proactive and they're creating in the environment. They're not reacting to the environment. They're creating the environment. And they're creating it in what they want it to be. And I don't think Alavila has demonstrated that kind of uh, vision. Now, I was encouraged when he brought on Barnhart. I thought that that could be a game changer for them. And the reality is, you know what? You, again, you can't build around one guy. Mm-hmm. You have to have more to it than that. And I think that he could still be a, a, an important part of the team in terms of building up some of, of these other positions. You need a strong catcher. Um, in order to help develop your pitchers, I can see him be, you know, functioning in that role. But at the same time, it, it doesn't matter because you've got your whole outfield to worry about. You've got your middle infield you still have a problem with. And I'll say that until we fix the damn thing, just like with the just like with the bullpen. Until we fix the damn bullpen, you got a bullpen problem. Okay, great. I'm glad you're addressing that. But you still have a problem in the infield. Um, so, you know, you you have to take a more comprehensive approach and I think you have to take, be proactive. That is not Alavilla. Alavilla is not a proactive uh, type of personality or GM. And that's what it's going to take to turn this team around. And I think what do you, you hit on about the Tucker Barnhart, you know, you build your catcher last. I mean, you do need a good catcher that frames pitches and everything, but offensively you're not going to get much from the catcher historically. Right. So you, you're building your team. Uh, you got to get, you got to get, Bats that can play in the outfield. You got to get bats that can play in the middle infield, and you got to get bats that play in the first and third. Right now, Candelario looks like garbage. Yeah, Miguel Cabrera, he's on the end of his career, so you really can't expect nothing out of him. Scope has regressed. Uh, Baez, he some get days he looks good, and this is exactly what I warned people about. He looks good, and there's some days where he looks like he is bad. And then you know, you, you know, Austin Meadows, he's been good, but he hasn't hit a home run this year. I mean, well, you know, it's, it's pretty bad when your when your lead slugger uh, is is batting two eighty three. Yeah, I mean that's the top of your game yeah. is batting two eighty three. It's no wonder you're at the bottom of the rank. I mean, that in itself tells you there's a huge problem there, and um, a, quite a number of those other you know key players. My God, they're batting below two hundred. I mean, that's not even acceptable. I mean, you could put up. You could you could put up a college team against these guys. Pick pick uh, state, pick U of M. I don't care who you but shoot, pick Central Michigan. Take their baseball team and put them out there, and you got a better chance at winning than you do with this current Tigers team. And they're going to be hitting better than these guys. So the only good thing about the Tigers is they have they play in a bad division. I mean, they're only nine games back. Some if you were in if you were in the AL West, I mean the AL West or the American League East, you'd be like you'd be at least 13, 14 games back. Well, they're second from the bottom. It doesn't in, in the entire in, in the American or National Leagues. You combine those, they are second from the bottom in percentage. Yeah, and you look at a team like Cincinnati, 
who's got 24 losses and you've got 21 losses. Right. I mean, Cincinnati was a joke. It's this just it, it, it should show Chris Illich that he shouldn't be the general manager should be changed. I mean, we made a coaching change with the Red Wings because he wasn't getting the job done. Yeah. And he had way more difficult circumstances than El Vila has had because El Vila has made his own bet. But I certainly would not let this guy draft another prospect because the reality of the situation is as good as he's drafted with pitchers, he has totally dismissed our positional players. And if you look through the Tigers uh, draft uh, drafts and you look at the positional players and you say who, you're going to be saying who a lot. The guy has no strategy. He's got no plan. And if he does, it's a disaster. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt in saying that he has no plan. Because, again, it seems very reactionary to me. That's not the way you will you know, build, rebuild um, a ball club. That's not the way you build a championship team. You don't. It doesn't happen by accident. It's planned. It's strategic. You look to Stevie Y. You look to Ken Holland. You look to Troy Weaver. You look to, um, I think, you know, arguably, um, you know, even the Lions. You can even see a strategy there, for God's sake. I think the general managers like Brad Holmes, uh, Troy Weaver, they've shown strategy, whereas El Vila has not shown a strategy to where he can get this team to the next level. And if you look throughout baseball and you go, how many years does it take to build a solid ball club to where they could be a playoff team? in that year it's year four is usually the year we are in year five okay so i don't want to hear about this it takes longer in baseball because i did the math and there's a, a majority of teams like the, like the braves the blue jays all those teams that have rebuilt in four years and then don't give me the spare me the expense that they spent money because they spent money when they actually had a chance to win and they knew they had good prospects coming up this Tigers team, they haven't built good. They're not anywhere close. You can't even say, like, this is a player that could be here for the long haul. You know, at least with the Red Wings, you can go Larkin, Sider, Raymond. You look at the Pistons, you go Cade Cunningham. You go Sadiq Bey, uh, guys that could be with the team that when they're good. The Lions, you can go um, Amarasin Brown. Uh, you can go, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, Jameson Williams, those guys. You can't say that about Tigers. There is no player on the Tigers right now. You go, in two to three years, where are they going to be? There's no player on this roster that I guarantee you, if you go through this roster right now and you go, which one of these players can start on a playoff team? There is virtually none. They've got no foundational players. No foundational players. No foundational players. players. And if you don't have a good foundation, your house is going to fall down on you every single time. And And I think we're seeing that. Alabila is learning that. Or he's not. And if your foundational players are in one position, like pitcher, you're really heading down a bad bad road because you need to score runs to win. Right. Nobody wins a game 0-0. You need foundational players on both sides of your equation. And that's where you're talking about the strategy of, of Alvila. He's got no strategy. You can see with the way he drafts, the way he signs free agents. He doesn't have a strategy. He don't. They don't have a foundational piece right now. It's just it's just uh, swapped together stuff. I can't believe how much slack this guy's getting right now with the Tigers. I it just it, it it boggles my mind because we see Stevie Y getting flacked because they're not winning and he's in year three. We see Brad Holmes get flacked because of the you know. 
they had a three win season last year. We seen we see Trevor Weaver already getting flack, but they're trying to they're trying to you know get another piece to the puzzle to add Cade. Tigers are the team that escapes everybody's imagination because they think the bless you boys and let's stand by our effing team. Yeah. Screw that. This team is isn't good. They're not playing at a level. Like you could be done with baseball by Memorial Day, and that's the reality of the situation. Like, and that's a shame. And that's a shame. You could be done with baseball. Like yeah. there could be no reason to watch baseball by Memorial Day. And God bless Jenna's heart because she said she wa- she might get Tigers tickets or whatever. But like, who wants to see this team? Yeah, no, they're gonna have to give tickets away, right? It's gonna be like they're gonna be like the Dead Wings, right? When the Red Wings were really bad, give away a car. Yeah, you're gonna have to give away some stuff to get people in those seats. The Detroit Tigers are not the Detroit Tigers of 1984 that all of us remember, okay? There are no Hall of Famers here. There are no All-Stars here. You don't have a Lou Whitaker. You don't have a Kirk Gibson. You don't have a Lance Parrish. You don't have a Jack Morris. You don't have all of those guys. I mean, and think about it. I just named off for you a catcher, a pitcher, an infielder, a middle infielder, and an outfielder. There you go. You have organizational depth. That's it. I mean, it. you look at you look at the Tigers with 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 two thousand six. They had Inge, uh, Granderson, Verlander, Kenny Rogers, uh, Pudge Rodriguez. That's how you build a team. You don't build a team with just pitchers. You know, it's, it's Alan Trammell. My God, I forgot to mention you, you Alan Trammell. You, you, the way that they're building this team is just—it's not going to work. And if you're if you're so reluctant to say it's going to work. I have a bad, I have a feeling that you're just kind of being uh, sunshine and rainbows type person, because the reality of the situation is they're not close. They're not even too close to close. And they're not going to be close as long as they keep Alavila. And that's exactly the point. So they need to go out and pay the Chris Hill has just got to go out and get a guy like Stevie Y for the baseball team, the Tigers, and that guy is Steel Epstein. Go spend the money. Go get him. And in the next segment, we'll be talking about the Lions who are actually making progress on, like, this God-written baseball team. We will see you in the next segment. Welcome to Cindy and Joe show. I'm Cindy. (laughs) I'm Joe. I have no idea where this bumper music comes into our conversation about the Lions, but I can't lie. I do enjoy it. I'm a Motown girl, so I love it. You know why we have this music? Because the Lions are getting sexed up by everybody <laughs> in the national media because they're actually making smart moves. And even Vegas is sexing them up because Dan Campbell's uh, coach of the year uh, betting odds have went up. Vegas knows. Vegas always knows. Vegas always knows. Uh, but, like, you look at the Lions, and I was texting with someone that I know, and he said this, and I'll read it verbatim right here. He said... I don't think Lions fans understand how close they really are. You look at that offense; it could be da- it could be dangerous. And there's something that you will allude to that in that point. Yep. Yeah. And then you look at the defense, and there's a couple guys coming off injury that could really do some damage. There's a lot of young players, a lot of uh, veterans that can make significant strides, and a lot of draft picks that they've made that are are really have high potential. He goes. Campbell will do well. Holmes is on the is in. The, is an elite mind getting molded by a guy like Dorsey who is elite at finding guys. This is a team trending in the right direction. I think more people are starting to take notice that this could potentially be, in a couple of years, a team that contends for the NFC Conference Championship. Now I know 
in Detroit, we don't really like think about the Lions as someone that could, could possibly contend for something because we haven't seen that. But when you got people around the business that are saying the same thing, you start to get a little bit of a clue of what is actually happening with the Lions. And you look at the Lions, and I've alluded to it on the podcast a lot, is that they are just they're drafting uh, a lot. They're drafting organizational depth. We talked about them last thing with the Tigers. Right. Unlike the Tigers, they're going offense and defense and are alternating the spots and they're getting, you know, where they where they have weakness, they go out and they double dip into defensive end market with Josh Pascal and and Aiden Hutchinson. And then they get a guy like Malcolm Rodriguez in, in the fifth round who looks like he could hit anybody in this path. You just gotta love where the rut, the Lions are going. You know, they look like they they look like there's glimpses of a good general manager, and that's exactly what the Lions have so badly needed for years. And you look at teams in the city who have done good, it's obvious been because the general manager put together the best team. And one of the reasons that we harp, harp on, uh, you know, a guy like El Vila is because he isn't putting together a full fundamental team. He's putting together a bunch of uh, dunces. You know, <laughs> at least with at least with Brett Holmes, he's, he goes out and he fleeces the Vikings to get Jameson Williams. He goes out and gets Aiden Hutchinson, who, you know, and everyone that you – every guy that he drafted, there's one mm-hmm. thing that remained – except for Jameson Williams, there's one thing that remained uh, – Similar with all of them. What's that? Team captains. That's right. Leadership. That's and right. And the one guy, Josh Pascal, who is a defensive end for he was a defensive end for Kentucky. He's a, he's a beast. But the one thing about him that makes him a little bit more uh, respectable, and you can tell about the kind of heart this guy has, mm-hmm. he beat cancer. That's while playing football at Kentucky. I mean, so that that tells you the kind of guys that. Brad Holmes is looking for, and you know a lot of people say like you can't win with good guy like these all these good guys, mm-hmm. but what you can do is build a culture of this is how we play, this is how we want to play, and this is how we're going to play. And you're not going to hit on every guy, but you want one guy to be a leader of your locker room for years to come. And you could and you could say that was the right pick because we made that pick because of this, and that's why you make it, and that's that's why he's drafting the way he's drafting, you know. You look at the Rams and you look at where he came from with Brad Holmes and you look at the guys they drafted to, to bump up their, their uh, rebuild process. They went with a lot of guys that were voted team captains and, you know, guys that had talent. And then they went out and they made bold moves. You know, that's that's what they have to do. But the Lions, they look like they have some guys that they're trying to build around. They're building a culture. And, you know, we talked to Dan Miller. And he says culture doesn't happen without winning. But if you pick talented players that also bring a leadership position, you are going to be in a good spot. Well, when you have a vacuum of leadership, you got a problem. So the fact that they're bringing leadership into the mix means they're bringing accountability. Yeah. Okay. And so that's very, very important because you can have all the talent in the world, but if they're not accountable, uh, then you're not going to get performance out of them. And I'll tell you, one of the guys that's got, that absolutely is a key to all of this as exciting as the Lions offensive line looks like it's going to be and the potential that they have, you have got to have without question and no excuses performance out of Jared Goff. Jared Goff has got to perform. There are no excuses. 
He's got a strong offensive line to work with. His defensive line also looks like it's shaping up to be very good. He's got Amon Ross St. Brown. Mm-hmm. He's got a number of other. Um, DJ Chark, yep. Josh Reynolds, uh, TJ Hawkinson. It's a lot like the guys Swift. are going to have people to throw so, to. So, so, so the way I look at it like this, and you could either disagree with me or agree with me, is Jared Goff has no excuses. Exactly. He can't. He can't. He can't be uh, a guy who, uh, you know, is the reason that they lose. He has to be a guy that helps them win. You know, if if he helps them win, he he can sit. If he doesn't, well, there's going to be someone coming in here for him because they just can't get it done with him. That's that's the reality. And I think that all, by Brad Holmes, it's a brilliant move on Brad Holmes' part because what do they say about a backing someone into a corner? Right. Is yep. that they 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 come out fighting, and you really know someone how they come out fighting, and how they you know when they when they're backed into a corner, how do you come out of that? You know, do you come out timid or do you come out fighting? And that's the thing about Jared Goff that we're gonna learn: does he come out timid or does he come out fighting? And if he comes out fighting, that could be really good. If he comes out timid, that's gonna be his own his own problem. Well, this is going to be a defining year for him. This season coming up is pivotal for Jared Goff. Um, and I think it's one of his last opportunities to show what he can do. You know, we talked about in hockey in the Detroit Red Wings, you know, Dylan Larkin, this was going to be a pivotal mm-hmm. season for him. Either he was going to show up or he's going to show himself to the door. He showed up. Yeah. He showed up to be the captain they need him to be. Now we need to see if Jared Goff is going to be a leader on this team, if he's going to be the QB that we need. Because, you know, we talked a long time about – Matt Stafford, you know, he just didn't have the supporting cast around him. He didn't have anybody to throw to. He didn't have anybody, you know, to to, uh, to defend him. He didn't have you know, all the things he didn't have as to why he couldn't be successful here. Jared Goff doesn't have those reasons. He doesn't have those excuses. Yep. Now it's it's going to be, all right, because now you've, you've got you, what you, you need. You finally have a general manager who can make those decisions. Exactly. And give you the talent to succeed. That's right. You know, the thing about Jared Goff is if, you're gonna, if he's going to come out and he's going to play timid, He's, he won't win anything, and they'll get a quarterback to replace him next year. But if he works out and he does do good, it's even better for the Lions because they have two draft picks next year in the first round that they could yeah. use on other parts of the team if Goff works out. And if he doesn't, those two draft picks can be traded to get a quarterback. You could trade up and get the quarterback that you want. But this is really, like you said, it's like it's it's like a Dylan Larkin. Uh, it's either. It's a defining moment for him. it's either it's either take the shit or get off the potty. Like let's go. I mean it's 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 uh it's got to be on him. Like the reality of the situation is the, when you talk about a guy like Jared Goff, you know there's one of the things that he was last year that really didn't help us. He didn't have wide receivers. Well now mm-hmm. this year coming into this year he got wide receivers. He got players. He's gonna have a full, his health his offense line is gonna be healthy like Frank Ragnall, Taylor yep. Decker. Yep. Jonah Jackson, Vitae, Sewell. There's no, there's no excuses that Stafford had where you know he was getting chased for his life, or he didn't have a run game because he has a run game. Yeah, there's no. Oh, the wide receivers suck. He has a really talented wide receiver group that could be one. It's it's probably way different than last year where the role reversal is. Last year they didn't have much depth in the wide receivers. Now there's people that might be on the chopping block that are actually pretty good. Yeah. That shows you how Brett Holmes has changed his team into building it, not for just now, but the future. He's really making a really significant stride. 
We'll see if Jared Goff can, you know, it's going to be incumbent upon him to set the tone. Yeah. He's going to have to set the tone for this organization, and he's going to have to take a tone, in my mind, like Dan Campbell. Mm-hmm. That's the tone he's going to have to adopt. I don't know if Jared Goff is that kind of a guy, but he's going to have to become that kind of guy. See, I look at I look at Jared Goff as like kind of like a, a late in his career Drew Brees. Like, if he just he doesn't have to be all world, but he just has to make plays to win games. That's it. Like, you can win games with a guy who is not great. Yeah, you you could do that, but that NFC is so wide open. It's not like the AFC where the AFC is totally stacked, but the NFC is like a you know, there's a lot of teams rebuilding in the NFC, and there's opportunities there. There's opportunities, yes, to, and they're gonna have the fifth easiest schedule. I, I don't say like saying that, but they play teams like the Panthers. They play teams like the Eagles. Uh, Eagles might be better than that, but they might they play teams like the Giants and the Commanders that are gonna be not good. This is going to be a chance for him to get better, makes plays. You're going to have an easy schedule. You can't say that it's going to be tough. And I look for them to be good. And if they're not good, it's all on Jared Goff because that's his that's, – that's, this offense is set up to be dangerous. Yep. Like what that guy said. And, and who is that guy? Just without – obviously can't name a name. But give some pedigree on, on those comments, Joe. He's an NFL executive. For a very, very well-known team. Because y'all know we got people. Yeah. We got sources, right? Very, we always yeah, say we got sources. He's a very, very, very well-known executive. And if I yeah. said his name, it'd be leaked out. And it You'd know it. Him. You'd know who it is. But if if I could say his name, you would know him because he's a very, very high-ranking official for, for an organization. And he's he's very, very well-known. So, But, like, it's just the reality of the situation. Like, that's that's – that's what teams think of this guy right now. And Vegas thinks of him too. Like they think that Dan Campbell could be a coach of the year candidate. And you could possibly potentially have two rookie of the year candidates on both sides of the ball. The team's got an enormous amount of potential. There's going to be two key factors, I believe, to their success. One, can they execute what Dan Campbell is going to plan? Mm-hmm. Can they execute and can they stay healthy? I mean, that's really going to be it. If, if you have, you know, when you got a guy like Frank Ragno who's taken out early on with an injury, um, you're going to have an uphill battle, a tough hill to climb there. If they can stay healthy, at least I would say the first five games, and just what, stay healthy the first five games, and that'll lay a great and, foundation. And we'll go to the schedule tomorrow. That's going to be pretty interesting for the Lions because uh, – it depends when you play these teams too. Like if you get the Packers early on and you don't have to travel to Green Bay late in the year, win. If yeah. you don't have to travel to, to Chicago late in the year, win. Because that means that you're because a lot of these games that you're playing, like in the AFC East, I mean, there, there's a couple of teams that you could play out in the cold, like the Commanders, Giants, Eagles. But like if you get a Cowboys and you get a Vikings and you get a a a, 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 a Colts or you know a Panthers at the end of, at the end of the year. I mean, Carolina's nice in, in December. So is Dallas. You know, yeah, they, I wouldn't, they I wouldn't the, turn they, that they, down. They play, they play in the dome, but that's just the reality. Like, the, the schedule is set up for them. There's so much that they have to there, – there's so much. I think the key to the Lions season is development. How, how do the coaches develop this talent that they have and how they, how they develop the guys that they are running with and – who is the guy that they really want to develop the most? Is it like a Puda? Could they get the most out of him? I mean, you've seen last year they had two undrafted free agents that looked really, really good. 
can they do that again? If they do that again, I mean, you, you're talking about an elite coaching staff that's getting the most out of the players that they've got. And you, you can only imagine what they're going to do with real talent like Aiden Hutchinson, Pascal, uh, James, James and Williams, Anzarike, Lee yeah. McNeil. These are guys that they're going to they're going to have, and they're going to. I think people, and you got to think about the people they got come back. Romeo Quara, they got yeah. Frank Ragnall come back. Decker's coming back. TJ Hackinson got injured at the end of the year. He's coming back. Swift needs to stay healthy. That's who needs to stay healthy. But there's people out there in the free agent market they could still sign, like like a James Bradbury, a cornerback that just got cut. And this is when you build a good culture, more players want to come play for that that coach. And if you start getting those players that are like older, but they think that you have something to offer, that's a total win. You could totally start to just because the NFC North has never been more wide open than it has been. Because mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers just lost his best wide receiver. Yep. Um, Minnesota's on. A, looks like they're on a rebuild. Chicago is a dumpster fire. I mean, <laughs> it's just the reality. Like they did, they they drafted a quarterback two years ago, and they don't have an offense line to protect them. That's going to go well. No, it won't. But that's just the way the NFC North is. And you look at the Lions, and they're trending up every sort of the way. They're getting defense talent. They're getting offense talent. They keep adding to both sides of the ball. And that's how you win because I like what Stevie Wise said. You know, these are lottery picks, lottery tickets. You take these lottery tickets and you 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 even them up. And if you hit on 50% of them, let's say 50% of them, you get like there's 25% that's on the, uh, the offense and there's 25% on the defense. Mm-hmm. You just – you hit on those lottery tickets. I mean, you're not going to hit on every one of them, but – if you hit on 25%, that's in a two-year period, that's really, really good. Like, that, and that's really all you need. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's you, we talked about Alabila in the last segment. You know, one of the things we talked about was his organizational depth. I think with Brett Holmes, you look at his organizational depth and you go, he's building an organizational depth on the offense and defense, special teams. I mean, they're doing a really, really good job. And I, I'm I'm enlightened to see how they, this this season goes, and I'm excited to see the schedule tomorrow because I really think that could uh, tell the path of what the Lions can really do. Because last year they got coming out of the, the first couple games, they had a very very tough schedule. Right. A very very tough schedule. Right. You go play San Francisco. That was a team that made the playoffs. You go play Grand Green Bay. That made team made the playoffs. Oh, you play a team like Cincinnati. Oh, you didn't know they were going to be in the Super Bowl, but they're a really good team. Yeah. I mean, you played a slouch in Chicago and lost, but that was early in the year. And then you started turning on and you beat a fringe playoff team in Minnesota. You beat a playoff team in Green Bay and Arizona. And you tied with another playoff team in Pittsburgh. This is what you wanted to see. In the last eight games, I really think showed what the Lions are going to be moving forward. Well, I'll tell you the guy who I think has to stay healthy. And, again, I, I hate to put all of it on his shoulders, but it's true, and that is Jared Goff because that's a position where we don't have depth because I don't think Boyle can step in there mm-hmm. and do do anything close to what's going to be needed. So who else do you have, you know, in QB? You don't. You kind of have all your eggs in one basket with Jared Goff. That makes me a little bit nervous on a number of levels. One, can he perform? Can he turn it on? Can, and the one thing about Jared, and the, can he stay healthy? And the one thing about Jared Goff that he needs to get better at this year is not hold on to the ball because – when you're an offensive lineman, when you got a quarterback that holds onto the ball, it makes it harder on you because you got to hold the block a lot longer. So just get rid of the ball. Do what Tom Brady does. I mean, no one can be Tom Brady, but just get rid of the ball. You're quick. absolutely right just, there. Just, Nobody can be my Tom Brady. What a deal he got for Fox Sports. Jesus Christ, three hundred seventy-five million to do ten years of color announcing. But like, 
you don't have to be Tom Brady. You just have to get rid of the ball quick. That's the thing that a lot of quarterbacks don't understand, especially coming out of college, is just get rid of the ball. Don't yeah. hold on to the ball. You're making it hard on your offensive linemen. And that's one of the things that really hurt golf last year was he held on to the ball too long. And I think that was his wide receivers. So, But he has no excuse this year because he has wide receivers like Josh Reynolds. He has wide receivers like DJ Chark and Amon Ra, who he's gained confidence. He has a guy like TJ Hawkinson, a security blanket. He got guys coming out of the backfield who catch a ball. There's no excuse for Jared Goff this year. None whatsoever. You know, and I think, too, I think Jared Goff is a victim of overthinking it. I think he's overthinking the play. I think he's overthinking, uh, and he's not, like you said, there's a lack of confidence in his receivers. I don't think he's going to have that problem this year. So if he doesn't overthink it, and if he can get that to be very much an automatic release, an automatic, um, and he's got confidence in where he's going with the ball, I think he's going to be okay. So you just can't overthink it. And I don't know if he does that in response to pressure or what his issue is, but if he can get over that little handicap and if he can have confidence in his receivers, I think he'll do okay. Mm -hmm. So long as he doesn't get hurt. So they better, better protect the hell out of that guy because we don't have a backup. No, not really. No. So uh, that's what you got. And I, you think the other, you think, you know, these other teams don't know that they do. So they're going to make him a target. Yeah, and, and the offense line is really good this year, so there's no excuse because if they are really good offense line, so they yeah. If it's if you're getting hit, it's because you're holding on to the ball too much, and that's your fault. So we'll see how it goes. We'll obviously have more Lions talks. Uh, in, a lot of in, potential in, there, though, Joe. We there's a lot of potential for Lions. I think they will do. They will have a really. I think they could have a really promising season. I think Dan Campbell is really going to have this team in the right direction. It just. It's all on Jared Goff, like we said. It's literally, there's no excuse that he can make, period. Well, he, he claimed that he could be the guy. Now let's see if he's well, going to put it's, his it's money a, where it's his done, It's done working all over again. You know, Absolutely. You, you had the reservation that he wasn't the guy or whatever. He wasn't a key player. He showed you. And he could show a lot. And with Jared Goff, he could show a lot of Lions fans that he is the guy by playing uh, good like Dylan Larkin did this past season. Absolutely. It was a great show with you. Obviously, we were getting sexed up by the uh, <laughs> Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye. Obviously, you can never go wrong with Motown. I'll say it again, and I'll say it over and over. You know, that's another thing that gets disrespected in this country. And if you missed our first segment about the Detroit vs. Everybody segment, you will want to see that. Go to our Facebook page and our YouTube channel, and you will see it. We will see you next week. I'm Between the Whistles. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. No one gives a crap. Everyone cares. And we will see you next week. Bye.